Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. fathers out there. Explosive father's not a good analogy because fathers can have reputations. Anyway, we'll move on. Thank you, band. Uh, I see Richard's uh, going to apply for a 70s covers rock band. It's awesome. I don't know if it's the Eagles or Kansas or one of those guys. It's awesome. It's great. Um, Welcome to church, everybody, and I hope the Lord has already spoken to you. And I pray that he speaks to you today through this, this word. This word uh, today, uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the word of God and we'll, we'll take it from there. So I'm reading from Luke 15. It's Father's Day and uh, let's think about the father in this story. Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Uh, The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And, you know, before he could get the words out about being a servant, his father ignored him. He said, but his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. We'll just leave it there for today. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we open ourselves up to you, to your Holy Spirit. We've come to church hungry today to hear from heaven. I mean, I pray, Lord God, that the voice of God, the Father of all fathers, would be in this place. This is your house. This is the Father's house here. And Lord, we pray that your Spirit would be present here to speak life into our hearts today. Not just the men. Not just the fathers, but all of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, I understand that there are obviously people who are not fathers here today. There are people who have got difficult or, uh, or not perfect relationships with their fathers uh, in our society. And this message is about God the Father. So if anything starts to feel like, oh, that's, 
feels that reminds me of something a bit painful. Just think about God is your father, how it relates to you in that way. Now, the, uh, the world sort of has this ideal about what a man's supposed to be like, and uh, it's kind of a combination of being super strong, uh, fast, rich, owns certain amazing possessions, and this is this sort of ideal that uh, people can sort of aim towards, uh, you know, a sportsman. A, a, a sports teams have this celebrity kind of sportsman who's, who can run past people, kick goals, and achieve amazing things. And this is kind of what it's like to be a real man sort of thing. But the one thing that a, a team needs, even from its star player, is not so much their skill, but they just need them to show up. They need them to be there. If the star player lets, doesn't show up, he lets the team down. And uh, my father was not a star uh, performer, he's, he's still alive, he's in a nursing home now. He was not a, a, a person, who, a guy who talked a lot. He certainly wasn't up here on stage. In fact, even at our wedding reception, he didn't want to give the speech. He's very shy. Um, I think if anyone knows Zach, our son, third son, third child, I think Zach. And, uh, but he was always there. He was there for all the dinners and he was there to say God bless at night just before he went to bed. He was there uh, when I needed to be picked up at soccer games or uh, um, dances, parties, whatever. Dad was there. And uh, that is the number one thing that dads need to have. The one, number one quality that fathers bring is that they're there for their kids. The kids know dads, dad'll be there. Dad's around. Now, obviously, there's some people maybe you've been through a painful uh, separation or marriage or whatever, but in the context of a father, you're still there for your child. You're still there for your children. You'll always be there. And ideally, we're looking at God's plan. His ideal is that we're always there in the family and the kids feel our presence. And uh, my father was uh, more of an artistic person than a sporting person, although he was quite a good cricketer. But he was very musical, um, listened to lots of music, and he spent a lot of time, put a lot of time into uh, artistic pursuits. I can remember in year two, bringing books home to be covered, something everyone loves to do, and um, waking up in the morning, and my year two science book, I tried to find it yesterday, I couldn't find it, I found something else to show you in a second, but um, my year two science cover was uh, on some beautiful brown paper that my mum purchased. That was standard sort of school book cover back in my day. But uh, it had a decoration of, because Deb was a professional artist and illustrator, so he drew me as a spear fishing guy underwater, chasing a shark, beautiful shark there. There are other fish around, there are manta rays and all this stuff. And when I took it to school and said, oh, here's my books, my, the teacher, what? everyone sit down and display, on display. You know, and then next assembly, oh, and uh, little Paul Marshall in year two, his daddy did this. And uh, this is the sort of thing he did for our grandkids. He went overseas with my mother and went overseas. They're his grandkids and they're our kids. That's right. Okay. This is the sort of letter he would send back. Uh, take him hours to do. So around the middle there, you can see we had to drive a long way, so we were very tired when we got 
H ear here. Our house is very nice. We shall swim and walk. And best of all, there's a guy eating. The sun is hot. Please say hi. Hi, chair. Hi to uh, mum and dad. Dad's frowning. I don't know why I got that. Anyway, uh, bye and lots of hugs and kisses from Poppy and Granny Mae. And uh, see you soon. So that's, that's what my dad did. And he was always there doing things like that. And it's very powerful. I, I didn't ever experience that separation that, that some people unfortunately go through when a father is no longer there. And um, the, the, this prodigal son knew that he'd sunk as low as he could go, but one thing he knew, his dad was still there. He could go to his dad. He could turn around and say, I'm heading home. Dad will be there and something will work out because dad does that. Dad's there. This is everything that a, a, a father does, ideally, is to kind of reflect or give a shadow, give an image or a type of what the Father in heaven is like. The Father on earth mirrors that as best as we can. I mean, we mess it up, but we try and give the kids a picture, a magic picture of a place where there's a father and he's created a home and it's ready for you anytime. What happens when dads leave? These are statistics from America, but I'm told that Australian statistics are heading a very similar direction. 71% of pregnant teenagers come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescents in chemical abuse centres come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaways from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behaviour disorders from fatherless homes. 80% of convicted rapists from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. All the dad has to do is show up and things are better. Uh, obviously, bringing in another income helps kids... Um, face a lot of issues as well and and that's part of it but the presence of a father dads always be there for your kids just hang around the edges sometimes the kids don't want you there sometimes they prefer you not to be there uh, sometimes they'd they'd uh, they tell you dad I don't want you to come to the door of my friend's house with me stay in the car please I don't want to be seen alive with someone wearing outfit like that oh. But, you know, you need to be able to push back a little bit and say, well, I want to meet them. Especially if they're a teenage daughter, you want to, meet, you want to make sure that there is actually a party here and it's all been organised. Or a teenage son. And uh, you want to, uh, when you have parties at your place, the kids want you, okay, you and mum, you go off and into the bedroom. I've organised a little thing of chips for you up there. Uh, and you can just sit there and talk and we'll have the party out here. No, no, we go out, we mingle. Make sure all the kids meet mum and dad. Dads, make sure you're there. So that's the first thing about being a gracious father. I've talked this message, goodness gracious me. It's like, it's a surprise. I can be gracious. And part of being gracious is being there, never walking away. Okay, the second thing, dads rescue. Now, obviously, mums do these things too. But I'm particularly asking dads to consider focusing on these things today as you celebrate what it is to be a dad. Dads rescue. Now, rescue doesn't necessarily mean that the kid is up on the roof and falls over and needs you to catch them 
you know, regularly. Um, but you rescue situations, you rescue the family, you rescue, you, you're a magician who brings in an answer when, when there doesn't seem to be. This is something that a dad can do. Mums can do it as well, but let's dads are focusing on you. Make sure there's times when you bring some magic into the family. When you rescue mum. Mum's had a hard time the last couple of months with the newborn. Make sure you're in there rescuing her. Mum's had a hard time with this or that. Or come home and, and, the, and there's a uh, hundred things that mums juggle at once. At least take one of them. Make yourself a rescuer. Rescue kids from their fears. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to sit in your room until you go back to sleep. So don't worry. I'm here. Rescue them from the lies. There's lots of lies in our world. We need to be able to say the truth to our kids. And you can say, uh, say it pretty straightforward to young ones. As they get older, of course, you just need to start getting them to think about, well, do you think that makes sense? I mean, what about this situation? I don't particularly agree with that what you learned at school today because I believe this and this is valid because and so we rescue children from lies we rescue uh, our families from drudgery at times rescue our kids from drudgery life can get get we don't we do not want to have miserable kids we want to make sure okay the misery level has dropped to below acceptable so we need to do something to raise it not the misery level but it's a bad and a bad way to put it Raise the excitement level. Okay, surprise, we're all going out to see a midnight movie tonight. That's the sort of thing you need to do from time to time. Not all the time. Even though the kids will say, that's a great idea, Dad, let's do it tomorrow. Surprise, we're going to a restaurant tonight. Surprise, I brought you all home, your favorite, whatever, lolly, matchbox car, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, Dads should know what button to press that brings some magic into the family because you are in a rescuing mode. Sometimes that includes rescuing kids from rules because God did that too. You know, Rahab was rescued from a rule that said she should be killed. She was a foreigner in a place, a city that was going to be destroyed and she was also a prostitute and God said, hang on, I'm not going to kill her. I'm going to break the rule for her. And sometimes we need to break the rule for the sake, for the souls of our families, souls of our children. Guess what? We're going to be able to jump on the bed tonight. We're going to have wrestle time. And we're going to break a, uh, a bit of a noise barrier to do that. We're going to stay up late tonight because there's something, uh, the game on or whatever. Today, you're eating junk food all day. That is an order because you're rescuing them from some rule. Um, today, you're not going to school. You're coming with me on a trip to Sydney to see your grandmother, and so get ready to go. So that sort of thing is what a dad can bring, rescue. We can also rescue from bullies and tyrants. Now, this is something you need to get a balance in, because we do need to train kids to be strong, as well as know when we need to step in. Because a lot of the training kids to be strong and resilient Happens at home, starts with parents, starts with dad, and we need to know what to do to build a strong child. Otherwise, if we're constantly, uh, I'll use the term mothering, which can be smothering. You know, we talked at school about snowplow mums. Just clear all the snow out. Make a smooth track through for my child. 
you know, let's put cushions at the bottom of the slippery dip. Let's put seatbelts on the swings. You know, let's just smooth everything. And there's not going to be any arguments. And my child is always going to get an A because I am a helicopter mum who also snow plows. That produces a permanent infant. And sometimes we need mum, or we always need mum. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, rewind that. We always need mum to say, now, don't ride too fast. Don't swing that high. Be careful you don't carry that. It's a bit heavy. I'll carry it for you. Oh, be nice. Forgive them. All right. But we also, equally, we need dads to be saying, no, you need to ride faster than that. You can ride faster than that. What are you doing? Get into the third gear. <laughs> Pedaling really fast. We need dads to be saying, no, you can, ride, you can swing higher than that. And we need the combination. Otherwise, we get this lopsided infant who never gets straight, straightened up. And we need uh, dads to tell us how to negotiate with a bully, how to negotiate with a teacher or a coach, because it's not always the kids at school that are the bullies. It's not always the, the other players in the team that are the tyrants. It can be a, a coach, it can be a teacher. But this, is how you, this is what you say. Okay, the next time they say that, you ask them this question. And then if you, but when you, you have to know your child so that you know when the, the weight that they're carrying is too much, then you need to know when it's time to step in and go and have a quiet word with that bully or the teacher about that bully or the coach about how he's speaking to the team or whatever. Because you're rescuing and you know when to rescue. It doesn't mean that uh, you allow everything and every time your child racks up a $15,000 uh, mobile phone bill that you just, yeah, I'll pay that. Great. Love it. No, you let them meet the consequences of their choices, but you also, grace helps them through and helps them to pick up the pieces. Grace does that. We're put here to be here as fathers. We're put here and God is always here. God is never going to leave us or forsake us and God will rescue us sometimes you know we we can't as christians expect to just to do whatever we want and just throw it up and just believe that god's going to somehow fix it he also wants to give us the strategies and the the you know the wisdom to make the decisions but to take the risks and he says don't worry i'll be with you if you follow my advice you'll get some success and if you stuff it up which we often do I'm going to be there to help you get out of that situation as well. And Melanie's talking about in uh, this month being a month of faith. And there are some things that we need to believe that God is going to come through with us, whether it's a healing or a financial situation or some other thing. God is a rescuer. He loves redeeming situations that have gone broken. The last thing is that the father in the prodigal son story saw his son while he was still a long way off. He'd been looking for him. And he felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the father was ready and waiting, ready to be there, ready to rescue, but he was ready to forgive. I had a, uh, my father had a work colleague who had a 17-year-old son and they used to argue a lot. I remember my parents one night being quite upset talking about how the guy had kicked his son out of the house why? Because he refused to get his hair cut. And, uh, you know, his hair was 
probably uh, just a little bit longer than Nathan's. You know, so long. Not. Although it might have been uh, back in... It was before the days of Richard's um, 70s cover band. But he kicked him out because of some rule that about appearance. Now, it's, there's a saying that uh, kids can walk away from a home that is a rule home, a home of rules and compliance and immediate, immediately obey me. They'll walk away from those. Some kids will walk away from a house of grace where there's all love and everything else. But you know what? A child will very rarely walk back and go back to a house of rules, but they will go back to a house of grace. The prodigal son went back because he knew his father was going to be there. He knew his father would fix the situation somehow. And I bet in his heart, he knew that his father's heart was for him. James Munro, a man who's about my age now and he's a pastor. Uh, when he was in year four and he had a sister in year two, they had a big fight on their veranda, which none of the kids in our church do, that sort of thing. And uh, they had a big argument with each other and it just escalated. They were yelling and then they started pushing and then he was in a fit of rage and he punched her in the stomach. She got winded. She <gasps> trying to breathe in and he grabbed, the nearest, he grabbed a spray can of DDT, insect killer, which is now banned uh, except for certain things, but it's a banned insect killer. He put the spray can to her mouth and sprayed it into her mouth. At that point, his mother had happened to be coming onto the veranda and saw what happened. She just walked past him, grabbed the daughter, scooped her up and went out, back inside, down the stairs, out the front door, onto the, out the garden, onto the road, flagged down the first car that went past and got them to take them to the hospital. And the daughter was okay. Meanwhile, James was in the house. He went to his bedroom. Uh, feeling a weight on his shoulders. He went and sat on his bed. He waited, and sure enough, 30 minutes later, he heard his father's car arrive. He heard his father walk up the driveway and up into the front porch, open the door, shut the door. You know, he hear every little detail. Up the corridor, up the stairs towards him. And James Munro thought, this is it. This is Armageddon. It's, uh, the, it's the final judgment I am going to meet my maker. Well, he did in a way, I guess. Um, <laughs> his dad opened the door. He's his maker. One of his makers. Um, his father opened the door and looked across and saw a little boy whose face was full of guilt. His face was full of despair. What have I done? His face was full of sorrow. His face was full of shame. He just looked at his dad, what's going to happen? And James Munro says that his dad did something he never expected, and that is he just opened up his arms. Didn't say anything. Just opened his arms up. And James burst into tears and ran to, ran to his father and hugged him. His father embraced him, put his arms around him. And James said, that was a life-changing experience for me. He said, those were arms of grace. It's like I know what the prodigal son story is about I didn't deserve it I knew what I deserved I didn't get it grace a gracious father 
doesn't just cancel the debt of a million dollars that you owe them. They cancel the debt and then they put a million dollars back into the account. The gracious Father completely reinstates us to our full inheritance. And the prodigal, son, the prodigal, fa- prodigal son's father gave him a ring. Get one of my rings. The ring. What is that ring for? Stamp of authority. You can have my authority back. You can go and buy whatever you want. You can spend money again. That is grace. It's a picture of the Father in heaven who is a billion times better than that, whose grace is so amazing and big, it's foolishness to us. But it's the one power that this world cannot do anything about. It's just overwhelming power. It's a huge wave of grace. It's, it's a zillion times bigger than it needs to be. It covers, the, the wave is big enough for, for me, it's big enough for you, it's big enough for uh, six billion people's accounts. That's what a father does, a father forgives. All of us can identify with that selfish younger son who wanted to make life all about him, satisfying his senses. And then when all the rebellion and anger And the do-whatever-I-like leaves him homeless, lonely, and without any direction in life. He goes back in search of that voice. That voice that will grant him a home instead of homelessness. A family instead of loneliness. Meaning instead of no direction. Most of all, he's looking for a voice that said, I forgive you. You know, U.S. psychiatrist Carl Augustus Menninger... Uh, who started the Menninger Institute, apparently, um, says that 70 to 80% of the people who wanted to talk to him or one of his counsellors were looking for a pardon. They're looking for someone to say, it's okay, you're forgiven, let it go. They're looking for the voice. They're looking for a father's voice. They're looking for the arms. They're looking for the arms with the holes in the wrists to wrap them up and say, it's okay, I forgive you. The father knew his son had issues. Fathers know when their sons have issues. It's not a big surprise and they suddenly storm out. It's been brewing. It's been growing. God's not shocked by our selfish behavior. He's not shocked by the fact we want to live for ourselves and do whatever we want. He wrote the law. So we would know that we're selfish and we can't do it. He says the law is not there to try and fix you. The law is there to try and show you what the problem is. You can't help yourself. I've been, I mean, I'm no expert with being a gracious, forgiving father, but, uh, and I've wrestled with, as, as a father, you wrestle with uh, trying to do the rules and trying to do the grace. The rules and the grace. And as a general rule, I think, fathers, we need to um, let children uh, meet the consequences of their choices, as I said before. And then in grace, we help them get through that and we help them fix it up. I think if I went back in time, I'd be a much better dad now. Our grandkids are going to be, um, you know, ridiculously showered with grace. 
and then I'll learn another lesson. <laughs> I'm not to... I mean, on Friday, I took dogs for a walk up to uh, Mount Ainsley before breakfast. You get to the top and have a prayer, and there's a ring road around the top. And in the middle of the ring road is a bump, which is the tippy-tippy top of Mount Ainsley. You know, so I go there and praying there. And for the first time ever, one of our dogs, Harry, you must know, um, he just decided, well, you pray, I'm going. And so he took off down the hill, hit the road, and then I couldn't see what he was looking at, but he suddenly got very excited and just started trotting off, ran off. And I was calling him, and I was whistling. He wouldn't even respond to the sacred whistle. What is going on? Anyway, I thought, that's it, I'm going home. I'm going home. And so I took the other dog, we jogged back home, and then we get to the house, and then 200 meters behind us is Happy Harry. I was sort of, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to give the other dogs some treats. You're not going to get any because I want to teach you a lesson. And then, seriously, I felt like God saying, oh, that's, what are you preaching on again, Paul? Preach, uh, preaching on grace. The grace is all about what do you do when they come back to you? The, the, actual, the father didn't show any grace until he came back. But when he came back, he shouted on. Lather it on. Sometimes we can't, sometimes that's a painful thing. We have to wait. Maybe I'm guessing as a general rule, the mum is wanting to go after the prodigal son down there, make sure he's eating okay. You know, Easy, what are you wearing? I brought some clothes for you. The father says, that's okay. Let him meet the consequences of his choices. And then hopefully we'll be able to welcome him home one day. That's what we do. When my was... Uh, 17, I had been raised in a Christian family, but I drifted away, a bit like prodigal son, I guess. I remember being on the back of D.Y. Beach on some sand dunes with a mate, and uh, he and I had a little bit of marijuana. I was not a big druggie, but I had this night, I had a bit of marijuana, and I thought it was really cool. But I was, looking back, I didn't even know how selfish and how much I wanted everything to do myself, feed my senses, all about me. And I was having a great time there, or I thought I did. And then I remember looking up about 2 o'clock in the morning and staring at the galaxies in the sky. And at, in the flash of a moment, I felt completely alone. I felt completely exposed. I felt like there was no direction or meaning in my life. And just at that moment when I just felt myself falling through blackness, I remember in my heart this voice the Father's voice that we all look for, saying, I love you. I made you. And I, I was shocked. I heard the Father's voice. Changed my life. Everything changed from then. You know, God doesn't necessarily, hasn't spoken to me very much like that anyway. But that, was, that, that one statement is lifelong <laughs> value to chew on. Changed everything. Why? Because I knew he was there. The Father is there. He's there right now. This is his house. He's right here. I knew that he would rescue me. He was ready to go. I'm ready. Are you ready? As soon as you're ready, Paul. As soon as you're ready. And I knew that he, he didn't care about the drugs. He, he forgave all that. Yeah, forget about that. You can come, me, come to me smelling of pigs and looking disgusting. I don't care about that. I'm going to give you a hug. 
I don't care if the, if the smell gets all over me. I'm going to hug you and forgive you. Welcome home. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.